Beverly Ann Bev Meyer was born on August 25, 1942, in Battle Creek, Iowa. She was the daughter of Hans and Marion Knudsen. Bev was baptized September 20, 1942, and confirmed May 20, 1956, at St. John's Lutheran Church of Battle Creek, Iowa. Bev was a longtime resident of Ida County graduating from Battle Creek High School with the class of 1960. She attended the University of South Dakota for a semester following graduation. She was blessed with a son, Thomas Allen German, on October 14, 1962. She married William Bill Meyer on May 27, 1974, in the St. John's Lutheran Church at Battle Creek, Iowa, and they made their home on the Knudsen family farm north of Battle Creek, where she resided until her death. Bev and Bill farmed their entire lives along with her parents, Hans and Marion, their son Tom, and their three grandchildren, Morgan, Daniel, and Grace. They raised various crops and livestock. Most winters, Bev could be found in the sheep barn checking on the lamb, lambing progress. Wherever she went on the farm, a trail of kittens could be found following. She shared fond memories of cultivating with her cousin, Barb Flieger, and accompanying her dad to Chicago to sell cattle. As, on, as an only child, she was her dad's right-hand woman. Bev also held various off-the-farm jobs, including working for McGuire Auction Company and was the school board secretary and business manager of Holstein Community School District and later Galva Holstein Community School District. She made many great and lasting friendships with others around the state holding similar school positions. After she retired from Galva Holstein, she was asked to help out temporarily at various school districts around the state of Iowa, including Lawton Bronson, Maurice Orange City, Hamburg, and Walnut. 
Bev and Joy traveling with Bill on their motorcycle and riding with their other motorcycle friends. They especially enjoy taking trips to Branson, Missouri, and did this regularly. They also spent time at Okaboji with Tom, Christy, and the grandkids, continuing a tradition that Bev shared with her parents in her youth and early in their marriage. Bev and Bill traveled to Hawaii and California to visit family and close friends as well. Bev was a member of St. Paul Lutheran Church of Ida Grove, Iowa. She was also a member of the Battle Creek Alumni Board for 15 years and was a proud Battle Creek bomber. She enjoyed doing many things to promote and prepare for the annual alumni banquet and putting together alumni booklets. Bev regularly planned for her class reunion and even hosted a few reunions over the years. She was preceded in death by her husband, Bill, her parents, Hans and Marion Knudsen, her parents-in-law, Edward and Miriam Meyer, and cousin, Becky Weber. Survivors include her son, Tom, Tom German of Holstein, Iowa, grandchildren, Morgan, Conser of Seward, Daniel German, and Grace German of Holstein, and, and others. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text that we're going to focus on is actually pretty much all three readings you heard a little bit ago, and I'm not going to read them again. Hopefully you remembered. This past story that was told me was that there's a song that you're going to hear in a little bit that it was requested that Morgan was to sing it at Bev's funeral, and that is the song, When the Saints Go Marching In. This last Tuesday, we found, the, found how interesting it was trying to tr uh, track down music. And one of the things that was interesting is you track down all this music, you notice how many different versions of When the Saints Go Marching In there is. There's got to be about 20 of them. But the one thing that remains constant is that first verse. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number when the saints go marching in. That song is always done joyously. It's always sung in a celebration. Because reality is, is that is what hopefully one would long for. Because the very next day, this past Wednesday, we celebrated Ash Wednesday. And on that day, children, everybody, young and old, would come forward. And they'd hear from a pastor, remember you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Those words are sobering. When I was up in Ocheedon, we had mostly older members. But here, we have, pretty, we have a pretty much a wide range of ages. And so it's very striking when you say that even to the youngest of children, you are saying, you are dying. You are going to die one day. That's what those words were a reminder that no one is guaranteed any moment of their life. No minute is guaranteed. Something that you are very aware of this day. 
I have a feeling that a few weeks ago you did not really expect to be planning for a funeral, planning to be here. But that is the strike that sin has brought on this world. That's why we use ash. Because ash in the Old Testament was always a sign of repentance. It was a reminder that it is our own sinful nature that is what brought this world upon us. It's the reason why we live in the midst of death and suffering. It's the reason that Bev is in the casket this day. Death is a tragedy. I've heard some people say, should we cry at death? Should we cry? And I always remind them, did you not read Jesus wept? He wept at the death of Lazarus. If, if Jesus could cry, I think so can you. It's very appropriate to cry because death is not natural. That is what actually stands out in the Christian faith is that death is not natural. The evolutionist might tell you that death is just a, a process of nature. But under, in the Christian confession, death is a consequence of sin. The moments that we lie, the moments that we use the words we should not use, those are sins, but that is not why you are a sinner. Rather, the reason we say those things is because we are sinners. I know, did you catch that? We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Sin is the symptom. Just as when somebody coughs, coughing does not, is not the cause of a cold. Rather, the cold is the cause of a cough. That's what sin, our sins are to the sinner. And so we live in this world where there is death, where there is grief, where there is sorrow. There's no wonder that we want something better. Just as that song is going to speak to, something better. When the Lord of glory comes, when they crown him Lord of all, when the saints go marching in. So how does one become a part of that? Well, one of the great things about the Lutheran liturgy, especially our funeral liturgy, is that there, the baptism is littered throughout it. You begin, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Words that were spoken over Bev on, on September 20th, 1942. Words that were spoken over her when the pastor said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. These are words that Luther in his catechism recommends that every Christian says when you wake up and when you go to sleep. And to make the sign of the cross in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Reminding you that in the waters of baptism you received the righteousness of Christ. See, when our Lord looked upon our sad, sin-fallen world, as one of Luther's hymns said, he did not choose the easy part. 
but rather sent his son. Sent his son into the human flesh, into the world, to be rejected, to be humiliated. Look at right now, we are officially in the season of Lent. There's a reason why we have this cross out. There's a reason why the violet is out. To remind you that Jesus became, became king or celebrated his kingship by shedding his blood on the cross. Suffering and dying for the sins of the world. So in the waters of baptism, Bev was claimed as God's child. But you see, you, it says, but the thing is that you are encouraged when you hear those words to make the sign of the cross. Because the promise is not for Bev alone, but is for you and your children. That you who are baptized into Christ are made a child of paradise. And then a little bit, you, then a little bit after that, you hear the words of Romans 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him in ba by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Again, baptism. The cloth, the funeral pall that has been placed over question is, when does someone become a saint? We think that you have to die to become a saint. No, when Bev was baptized, she became a saint then. Eternal life began in her baptism. For God so loved Bev that in the waters of baptism, she received eternal life. It began. She was, the, the sin that she brought to, the, brought to the font was lifted off of her and placed on him who knew no sin, the one who became sin for her, Bev, for you. That you might become the righteousness of God. That Bev might become the righteousness, receive the righteousness of God. The cloth is a reminder that she received that robe. See, the reason myself and Pastor Salcedo, we wear these white cloth, these robes, it's a preview of coming attractions. Read Revelation 7. He looks and he sees that the huge multitude that no one could number from every tribe and nation and every language coming before the throne of the Lamb where there is no hunger, no thirst, no scorching heat, and because we're in Iowa, I always add this one in. No blistering cold or pouring down rain. No hunger, nothing, no mourning, no tears. That's where Bev is now. She's in that host. Because she received that robe of righteousness. She was united to Jesus' death in her baptism. And so it is the promise for all who are baptized. You are clothed with Christ. You receive eternal life. The hymn, God's Own Child, I Gladly Say It. 
I know not many, not as not many people know that as I wish did. I love that you chose that as a as the hymn because I am of the opinion it should be at every funeral. But because it was written, the problem a lot of Americans don't know it is because it's translated in 1990. But it was actually written in the 1600s. But it so wonderfully echoes Luther's theology. When the devil would come and look at you and say, look at, your, look at who you are. Look at what you've done. You, call, you, you think you deserve God's love? Look at all the ways that you failed him, all the ways you come short. The hymn, it says, Satan, hear this proclamation. I am baptized into Christ. Drop your ugly accusation. I am not so soon enticed. That's the answer that Luther would often say. He would just say, I am baptized. On Bev's last hours, that is the words that I know, Tom, you shared with her. You are baptized. Those are the words that could be in her mind in those final moments as she was weakening. I am baptized into Christ. Death, you cannot end my gladness. I am baptized into Christ. That is what the cross gives. That's what Jesus won and what he gives to you personally in the waters of baptism. When I die, I leave all sadness to inherit paradise. Though I lie in dust and ashes. Did you hear that? Dust and ashes? Notice on Ash Wednesday, we don't just put dust. Now, at our best, now granted, it doesn't always look perfect. But ideally, it's in the form of a cross. And the reason is, is because even though we are dying in sin, we are ultimately going to rise because at Bev's baptism, at every baptism, the pastor says, receive the sign of the cross upon your forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. That cross is a reminder that you were marked as God's child. You were marked for salvation. You were marked to be his. So that though I lie in dust and ashes, face assurance brightly flashes, baptism has strength divine to make life immortal mine. Think about that. And by the way, when I say immortal life, that's not just immortal life here, because immortal life here would stink. No, immortal life in the life of the world to come. Because in between now, right now, as I said, death is a tragedy. Because for a moment, the body and the soul is separated. The soul is in heaven. Bev is in the presence of Jesus. But she's waiting. And you can still visit her. Hint, the Lord's Supper. You hear those words? Therefore the angels and archangels with all the company of heaven. Or when you confess the communion of saints, every time you say those words, Bev is in the company of heaven. She is a member of the communion of saints. So when you receive the body and blood of Jesus... You are united to her through Christ. 
You, the church militant, is united to her who is amongst the church triumphant. But when you go out to the cemetery, you're going to hear the words of Paul where it talks about the body being sown into the ground. Now you've done a little bit of farming here and there, right? When you sow a seed into the ground, I'm guessing you want something to come out of the ground, right? You know, just sow it in, like, just because you're bored. You want it to grow. The reason Scripture says that is because that body, they'll be sown into the ground. As we're going to hear in that hymn for all the saints, the King of glory is going to pass along his way. I say this many times. Look at a cemetery like a giant slumber party. Jesus is going to walk in there and he's going to say, Bev, get up. He's going to say that to all of his children. Wake up, wake up. And she is going to rub. That body will rise. Strong, powerful, mightier than it has ever been. I think it's always kind of cool, especially when you have people who are older and they're walking on crutches or walkers. It's so amazing that those same people, when they rise, they'll be able to do backflips that they wish to. So perfected will be the body that Christ raised. That is what God gave to her in her baptism. That's what Jesus won for her on the cross. That's what Jesus won for you. And so as we heard just a little bit ago in the Apostles' Creed, I like that in the service, in the funeral liturgy, it always gets introduced with these words. God has made us his people through our baptism into Christ. You confess the same creed that was confessed at every baptism. The same creed that she confessed when she was confirmed on May 1st of 1956. The faith that she confessed to believing. Because it is through Christ alone that salvation is found. Through Christ alone she rises. Through Christ alone the promise is yours as well. For those who believe and confess the same faith. Until the day when she does go marching in. And we all go marching in to the resurrection of the body and the life of the world to come. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith, the life everlasting. Amen.